I love the book of Psalms. Anybody like the book of Psalms? So awesome. And today I want to preach out of one of the Psalms in there. It's one of my favorite ones, but it's Psalm 103. I want you to go to Psalm 103 with me this morning. If you've got your Bible, pull it out. If you have it on your phone, look it up on your phone, but I do suggest put that phone on airplane mode so that the devil can't use somebody to text you something that's going to distract you. Anybody ever have that happen to them, right? You're like, oh, I'm going to be reading my Bible, and you're reading it, and all of a sudden, you get that text message or that email or that, you know, whatever. I remember a couple months ago, actually, I texted Ralph early in the morning one day for something. He's like, Pastor D, you just interrupted my Bible reading. And I was like, you should have had your phone on airplane mode. (laughs) Wouldn't have interrupted it then, you know? But Psalm chapter 103, I'm going to read throughout the whole entire Psalm, and then we're going to double back. So look what it says, bless the Lord, O my soul. And all that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your iniquities, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from destruction, who crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercies, who satisfies your mouth with good things, so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. The Lord executes righteousness and justice for all who are oppressed. He made known his ways to Moses his acts to the children of Israel. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in mercy. He will not always strive with us, nor will he keep his anger forever. He has not dealt with us according to our sins, nor punished us according to our iniquities. For as the heavens are high above the earth, so great is his mercy toward those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, So far has he removed our transgressions from us. As a father pities his children, so the Lord pities those who fear him. For he knows our frame, he remembers that we are dust. As for man, his days are like grass, as a flower of the field, so he flourishes. For the wind passes over it, and it is gone, and its place remembers it no more. But the mercy of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting on those who fear him. And his righteousness to children's children, to such as keep his covenant, and to those who remember his commandments to do them. The Lord has established his throne in heaven, and his kingdom rules over all. Bless the Lord, you his angels, who excel in strength and who do his word, heeding the voice of his word. Bless the Lord, all you his hosts, you ministers of his, who do his pleasure. Bless the Lord, all his works, In all the places of his dominion, bless the Lord, O my soul. Let's pray. Father, right now I ask in the name of Jesus, Lord, that you speak to us through this word. Father, that you speak to us in the situations that we are going through, Father. As the Bible even tells us that this is a living word. Father, I pray right now in the name of Jesus that every need that every person has walked in this building with, or those who are watching or hearing the sermon, Father, that those needs may be met, Father, through your word, for you are the one who does the things in our lives. Father, speak to us this morning in Jesus' name. And everybody said, this psalm starts with, bless the Lord, all my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Church, there's something that every single one of us needs to do every single day and it's bless the Lord. Yeah, I picture David standing in front of a mirror, looking at himself and telling himself, bless 
the Lord. You know, so many of these people who, who do motivational speaking and, 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 and self-help books and, and workshops and stuff, they tell you to look at yourself in the mirror and to tell things to yourself, right? I, I, you know, you're good, you're going to make it, you know, it's talking about that positivity and encouraging yourself. And I just picture David looking at himself and saying, bless the Lord, all that is within you, bless the Lord, when we wake up in the morning, it should be the first thing we should do is cry out to God. And this word bless come, is the word barak, which means to kneel in adoration, to kneel in worship, in reverence. So David is saying, all of me, all of my soul will revere God, will adore God, will bow down before God. And that's how we should start every day. Blessing the Lord. And then the second verse says, bless the Lord, all my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Bless the Lord. And the second thing is we need to remember what God has done and remember what he is going to do. See, David was an expert at this. And if you go back to his youth in the book of Samuel, when David goes to confront Goliath, you remember the story, 1 Samuel chapter 16? He says that he goes to the camp at the direction of his father to take some cheese and food to his brothers and check on their well-being. And he gets there and he hears and sees Goliath and something inside of him is stirred up. And he's like, who's going to fight this guy? This guy is insulting God. He says, I'll go. And everybody's looking at him like, what are you doing? You can't do it. And so he gets back to Saul. So he, talks, he talks to Saul and he's like, Saul, I'm going to go fight this giant named Goliath. Saul says, you are but a youth and he is a man of war from his youth. And what was David's response? David's response was, when I was out in the fields tending the flock, and a lion or a bear came and grabbed one of my sheep. I chased it down. I killed the animal and rescued the lamb or the sheep out of its mouth. And the same God which delivered me from the lion and the bear will deliver me from this giant. He remembered what God had done, which propelled his faith to what God was going to do. And many times we get caught in a rut because we don't remember what God has done. What does the Bible say in the book of Hebrews chapter 11? It says, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Faith sees that which is not there. And many of us get caught looking at the physical circumstance that we're facing and it waters or, or, or quenches our faith that we don't believe then what God is going to do because we're believing what we see as opposed to what God is going to do. And remembering what he has done will propel you to what he's going to do. We have to remember it. Remind ourselves. So look at yourself in the mirror, remind yourself every morning. It's the way he declares it, right? If you look at the sentence, he's not giving a subject there. The subject is himself. He's saying, you bless the Lord, right? He's saying, bless the Lord, oh my soul. All that's within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, oh my soul, and forget not. Forget not what he's done. 
What happens many times we take our eyes off of Jesus and our eyes off of God and put them on the circumstance. And if you put your eyes on the circumstance, you will drown. Do you remember when Peter was on the boat with all the disciples? He's on the boat. Jesus is walking upon the water and everybody's like, it's a ghost. And Jesus says, no, y'all, it's me. Be okay. It's me. And then Peter, he cries out, if it's really you, command me to walk on the water towards you. And Jesus spoke for like seven minutes. He said, come. It's easy. Jesus looked at him and said, come. And Peter took his foot over the boat, the other leg out of the boat, and he started walking on the water. And the scripture says that as he was walking on the water, looking at Jesus, says, then he began to look at the waves and look at the wind and look at the water. And immediately he began to sink. Why? Because he took his eyes off of Jesus and it wavered in his faith. So faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Walking in faith means walking based on what God said and not on what you see in the physical realm. You may see a marriage that is not working right now. You need to see what God sees. You may see your children not serving the Lord. You need to see what God sees. You may see your grandchildren struggling with depression. You need to see what God sees. And remember what he's done. And then remember what he's going to do. Propel yourself forward by remembering what God has done and remembering what God is going to do. Then he says in verse number three, who forgives all your iniquities, who heals all your diseases. The third thing I want to talk about briefly today is the fact that we have a God who forgives. We have a God who forgives. So many people here on this planet, so many Christians deal with unforgiveness. And not just unforgiveness towards other people, unforgiveness even to themselves. I'm not worthy. I did this. I did that. And Jesus already forgave you. I spoke with someone some time back and I could perceive in my spirit as we were talking that they were dealing with unforgiveness towards himself. And this is what God disturbed me up. And I said, do you believe that God has forgiven you? Yes, I do. And my question was, then who are you not to forgive yourself? If God forgave you, who are you to hold on to it? David says here, remember his benefits, who forgives all my iniquities. David knew a thing or two about forgiveness. Why? David was a liar. David was an adulterer. And David was a murderer. The guy in the Bible that is known as having a heart after God. Why is he known as a man after God's own heart? Because he repented and received God's forgiveness. 
which is what he writes later on in this psalm. What is it that he writes there? He says, as far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. Now, think about a second. Why didn't he use north and south? Now, if you think about a globe and you think about the earth for a second, and imagine that there was a paved road all the way going north-south and all the way going east-west. Well, if I start from Miami on this road, walking north, eventually I'm going to make it to the North Pole. And once I cross the North Pole on that road, what direction am I going? There's a change of direction. But if I get on the road from Miami and start walking east, I'm going to keep walking east and get to California and I'm still walking cross the Pacific Ocean and get to Hawaii and I'm still walking, get all the other way to Asia and I'm still walking, cut through Europe and I'm still walking and get all the way back to Miami. There's never a change of direction. East and West don't meet each other. And so what he's saying is God forgives you to such a degree that your sins will not encounter you again. And David says, remember We have a God who forgives. Do you know how many times Jesus talks about forgiveness? Over and over again. He talks about forgiveness. He takes it to the point where he says, if you don't forgive, your father in heaven won't forgive you. We're experts at telling people we forgive and then bringing up their past mistakes the very next minute. I'm sorry, I I forgive you but then you hold it over their head. It's not true forgiveness. And if God has forgiven you and you remind yourself, do you know what the law said was to be done to a murderer? Anybody? To be killed. Oh, but David didn't kill Uriah himself. Yeah, he did. He wrote on the paper, send them to the front line of the heaviest battled area. And when he's up there in the battle, have everybody else retreat. Cubans say, I'll translate it. Don't worry, I'll say it for those who don't speak Spanish. But Cubans say, tanta culpa tiene el que mata la vaca como el que le aguanta la pata. Just as guilty is he who holds the leg of the cow as he who butchers the cow. That's what the saying says. David didn't physically kill Uriah, but David orchestrated it. The Nathan, the prophet, comes to him one day and says, O king, there is a man who is wealthy beyond means and has all of the sheep and cattle that he needs. And this other man who has one solitary you, E-W-E. And the man who had all these things killed the one that only had the one to have it for himself. And David gets indignant. And he says, who is this man that I may bring justice. And the prophet looks and says, the man is you. 
And that's where the psalm that David writes, and he cries out to God saying, please don't depart your spirit from me. David reminded himself every day of God's forgiveness because that would propel him to be the king he was called to be. And we need to remind ourselves daily that God has forgiven us, that Jesus paid the price. So he says, verse number three, who forgives all your iniquities. Again, I can picture David looking at the mirror and saying, bless the Lord, David, all your soul and all that's out within me, bless the holy name. Bless the Lord, all my soul, and forget not his benefits. For he has forgiven your iniquities. And then he says, who heals all your diseases. The word heals there is the original language is the word rafa, rafa which if you read back in the book of Exodus, it's one of the things that God says to the children of Israel, I am Jehovah Rapha, the God that healeth thee. I am the God who heals you. And David stands there in front of that mirror, reminding himself, he is a God who will heal you. Some of us need healing in the physical. Some of us need healing in our emotions. Some of us need healing in our mind from, from, cause we're, we're in this l- battle between of who we are and what we think and the things we've gone through. And God wants to heal that. And remind yourself every day to bless the Lord. Reminding yourself every day to remember what He's done. That He is a God who forgives and He is a God who heals. Many years ago, this movement called the super faith movement was spreading across the church. And this movement of super faith, which was, again, believing for what God is going to do, believing in faith, frowned upon you speaking what you were going through. Right? So like if I told somebody, hey, you know, how, how do you feel? Man, you know what? I actually got, man, my stomach's killing me. Like, how are you confessing that? There is power of life and death in your tongue. But there's a distinction between telling everybody what you're facing and a distinction between uniting with someone who has the same level of faith or greater than yours to pray in agreement. Me praying with someone who's going to stand in the gap with me is not a lack of faith. It's actually wisdom because the Bible says that when two get together in agreement about something, it moves. But you going to just anybody, you walk into work and it's like, oh, today's going to be a bad day. Because, you know, I woke up with this migraine or whatever the case might be. Yeah, that might be very flippant speech. And you are confessing something. But you calling part of our intercession team or meeting with one of our pastors or whatever and saying, I need to pray for this because I'm battling this and I can't overcome it by myself. That's not a lack of faith. That's wisdom to walk into faith. But you got to be careful. 
And here you got to remember, people change. What do I mean by that? There might be somebody in your life today that you can't share what you're believing God for with because they're not at the same level. And there might be somebody else who you can share it with, but a year down the road, that actually might be the inverse. The person that you couldn't share with today might have grown in their faith to such a degree that you can sit with them and be like, pray with me for X, Y, or Z. And the person that you used to pray with might have deviated from the walk of the Lord and you can't go talk to them anymore. And do you know that it has nothing to do with how long they've been a Christian? Man, I have met some Christians that have been Christians for 55, 60 years and are still spiritual infants. Like, when I travel, I enjoy looking at places and seeing the, the artistry and seeing the craftsmanship. I mean, have you, have you ever been to Europe or an old city and you walk into one of these Catholic cathedrals? I mean, you can't help but admire how in the world did these people build this? And I remember this gentleman, he's older than me, who would not step foot inside because, oh, no, no, it's a Catholic church. I can't walk inside. It's like, dude, like... Drop the religiosity. I'm not asking you to go in there and pray. I'm not asking you to go in there and worship Mary. I'm just saying, look at how the heck did they get that little thing all the way up there? How? It had nothing to do with the fact of how long they'd been a Christian. They were still a spiritual infant. So perhaps you have someone in your life who came to Christ after you, but sold out and became a doer of the word, not just a hearer. Even how David says it, because it says it here in verse number 18, to such as keep his covenant and to those who remember his commandments to do them. So David even saying there, you got to do it, not just hear it, not just say it. So perhaps there's someone in your life who came to Christ after you. Maybe you even led them to Christ, but they got to a point where now they're the ones that can help you intercede and pray. Or perhaps there's someone who right now is the one that you can look to to pray in agreement, but next year because of other circumstances is not the same person, which means what do you need to do? Continue to pursue God and ask the Lord for discernment of whom you can talk to and whom you can't. Whom you can trust and whom you can't. Oh, but they're my brother in Christ. Sorry to tell you. Doesn't mean much. Test the spirit. And are they walking the way that God wants them to walk? Will they help you get to where God wants you to be? Or will they hold you back from it? David looked at that mirror. For those of you that are like very like follow the letter of the Bible, it doesn't say there's a mirror again. That's my imagination of David standing in front of a mirror, right? He looked at it and said, bless the Lord. You bless the Lord. You remember, David, remember all his benefits. He is the one who forgives you. He is the one who heals you. And then in verse number four, it says, who redeems your life from destruction. God is the one who redeems. David, on many occurrences, before he became king especially, was hiding out in caves and wilderness because Saul was pursuing him to kill him. But God rescued him. 
The psalm where he cries out and says, I look my eyes to the heavens to whence my help comes from. Psalm 35, where he cries out and says, God, they've laid out all these traps for me, but let them fall into their own traps. David was able to stand and remember that God redeemed him. And you and I as believers, we can take it a step further because we were not believing for the Messiah to come and having to do daily sacrifices for our repentance. We are able to know that Jesus paid the price once and for all so that we can freely receive that forgiveness and that healing and that redemption. And then he says, who crowns me with loving kindness and tender mercies. Hey, you know what? The only person that can crown you is the person who has access to the crown. The person who has access to the throne. And the king of kings crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercies. What does that mean? You find favor everywhere you go. People look at me and say, ah, it's because you're lucky. No, it's because I'm blessed and I find favor. What's favor? It's something you don't merit and deserve, right? It's what grace is. You walk in and all of a sudden you, you're given another area. You're giving something better because God crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercies. And then he says in verse number five, who satisfies your mouth with good things, so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. Let me tell you, when you're hungry and you get a good meal in front of you, I mean, I'm not talking about that you're hungry and they give you a granola bar that, you know, you can, you know, it'll hold you over for about 45 minutes. No, no, no. I'm talking about that meal that just refuels you, right? And anybody ever watched Survivor? I mean, I enjoy watching Survivor. And you have these guys, well, if you've never heard of Survivor, it's a show, it's been going on for like 20 years or something like that. And, and they get a group of people who don't know each other and they drop them off on an island. And they have to build their own shelter. The only thing that they're, they're given is a bag of rice. And then they got to figure out everything else, how to make fire and all the different stuff, right? And so these guys are out there. I mean, everybody who goes out there, guys and ladies, everybody who's out there, I mean, you see them when they go out to Survivor and when they leave Survivor and it's like a forced diet, right? Everybody's lost all kinds of weight and all kinds of different things. So on this show, you see all the people, they're, they're in the challenges and they're trying to do this stuff, but you haven't eaten, so they're weak. And then they have challenges where it's a reward challenge, And the reward might be where, hey, when you get back to camp, the group that won, there's going to be pizza waiting for you. Or there's going to be a cheeseburgers or or they have different restaurants. Outback is bringing, having say, and they have all this food, right? And that's the, that's the reward. So these people who, who, who win a challenge and get back, they get all this food and they eat it. And what does it do? It renews their strength for the next competition. And when David looks and says, he satisfies my mouth with good things so that my youth is renewed like the eagles. Church, you need to remember that God is going to satisfy you with good things to the point of being filled, to the point that I can't anymore. Like he says in Psalm 23, surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. 
and I'll dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Church, we have to remind ourselves every day of what God does and what he's done. And look at yourself that we have a God who forgives, a God who heals, a God who redeems, a God who crowns us, and a God who satisfies us. And that is in our pursuit of him. The title of today's preaching is just that, a God who, you can fill in the blank. What is it that you need today? We have a God who can take care of it. Oh, pastor, what I need is something that God's not going to worry about. God cares about every single thing in your life. Let me prove it to you, all right? In the book of Kings, there's a story of these guys that need to build something. And they says that they're there. It's a small little section. It's about four verses. And they get there, and this guy is building, and he's cutting down the trees, and his axe head falls off and lands in the water. And he goes to the prophet and says, my axe head fell in the water, and it's borrowed. It's not mine. And the prophet went and got a piece of wood, a stick, the Bible says, and he threw it into the water, and the axe head floated up to the surface. God cared enough about the guy who borrowed an axe to make something float that doesn't float. You don't think God wants to heal you, restore you, prosper you, lead you to where you need to go? He cares about every aspect of your life. But David looked at that proverbial mirror. And he said, bless the Lord, all my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, all my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives you of all your iniquities, who heals you of all your diseases, who redeems you out of all the hills or the valleys, who restores you, who crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercies, who satisfies your soul to the point of renewing you like an eagle. If it worked for David, how many of you know that the declaring the word of God will also work for you? The word of God cannot leave your lips. What are you speaking? What are you saying? Who are you saying it to? What are you believing? Because you have a God who, and I'll let you fill in that blank. See, because that's the cool thing about our God that every single one of us could be dealing with a complete different circumstance and he can meet all of our needs at the same exact moment. You know, it doesn't seem to cease to amaze me because I'll preach a sermon and I'll have eight different people come up to me after service. Pastor, man, that, that preaching was just for me today. 
And those eight people are going through completely different things. But it wasn't me speaking. Y'all know that, right? It's not me. It's the word of God. And the word of God does not return void. Why do we tell you so many times of the importance of pursuing God every day, of reading the scripture, of spending time in worship, of congregating together? Because God wants to have an encounter with you every single day. And if we pursue him and keep him in the place that he deserves, he'll take care of everything else. No matter what you're facing, remember, you have a God who, and you can fill in that blank.